What's up, everybody? My name is Kevin Tony, and this is the Uncommon Sense Podcast. Thank you for tuning in wherever you're listening from. It is a great day to be alive. And I'm back after taking a few weeks off. Uh, if you've listened to the show before, you know that I go home to visit family in Detroit, you know, as often as I can. And we went to Detroit for uh, spring break slash Easter to spend some time with family. And it was a good trip. It's always good to go home. Uh, Detroit is a city that is very near and dear to my heart, obviously, uh, growing up there. I do try to get home and visit family, you know, a couple of times a year if I can. And this trip was no exception. We had a good time with family. It was a little bit different because uh, the trip was a little bit more focused on spending some time with my grandmother who is aging. Uh, she's in a nursing home. She's 95 years old. And, um, you know, I just really wanted to focus on spending some time with her uh, because her health is, you know, not the best. But um, she seems to be getting better. So I'm thankful for that. Detroit is just, you know, aside from the, the weather being so lousy while we were home, I mean, it was bad. I mean, it's the end of April. And I think a couple of days before we left, they ended up being like three inches of snow on the ground. I mean, it was a full on snowfall, <laughs> like it was December 10th or something. But anyway, um, I enjoy going home. I enjoy visiting home. Uh, and I remember one night we were at church and there was something that I was, I was having a conversation with, you know, one of the brothers at the church and he had mentioned to me about how he had been to Charlotte several times and how much he enjoyed the city. And he made mention that it's been about 15, maybe 20 years since he had been to the city. And I was telling him about how, if he came to Charlotte now, he would, probably not recognize the city um, because over the last 20 years, like so much has changed in terms of, you know, infrastructure and, you know, new things going up and old things coming down. And I told him, I said, it's not like, you know, when I come to Detroit, you know, everything is exactly the way it's always been. And when I thought about that, it kind of made me feel a little depressed to, to think that. And, that realization that everything looks the same the way I remember it as a kid. It still looks that way. Now the same structures, you know, the same corner stores, the same, you know, buildings. Uh, it's just, it's almost like time stood still when, you know, when you ride through the city and everything just, you know, nothing, no structures are being torn down to build up newer, nicer structures. Unless you live downtown, <clears throat> which a lot of a lot of effort has gone into the beautification of downtown Detroit uh, and rightfully so, because, you know, you have so many things that are attractions downtown, the Riverwalk. Uh, the casinos downtown, those are all, you know, things that have been updated and upgraded, you know, to kind of 
make downtown Detroit a lot more appealing. And they've they've actually done a really good job in, you know, making downtown Detroit just a, a cool place to be. But it stops outside, you know, the outskirts of Detroit have kind of. I don't know, it's just <laughs> you'd have to visit to know what I'm talking about. And people who live in Detroit, they understand what I, what I'm talking about. It's just a different city. And when I was there last last year in July, last summer, um, one thing that is different now that wasn't there before this visit is they added speed bumps to the street, you know, in front of the house my mom and dad live in. And the reason they had to do that was they needed to stop people from drag racing up and down the residential streets which is insane to me uh that pe- <laughs> that people would drag race up and down a neighborhood like a residential street like houses on like you want to race up and down a block that there are houses on either side of the street you know <laughs> i it just speaks to how different the mindset and the mentality of, you know, people who live in Detroit. And it was funny, my son, we pulled up to a gas station in the city in Detroit and, and he looked out the window and he saw all of this trash, you know, on the ground outside the, the, the gas station. And he said, daddy, you know, look at all of this litter outside. People are littering here. Why are they doing that? And living in Charlotte, he's not used to seeing that in our neighborhood. You know, yes, there are areas where people are littering and there's trash on the ground. But, you know, the part of Charlotte we live in is pretty well kept. So he's never seen that. And he was explaining, he was asking me why did, why was there litter on the ground? And I just had to tell him, like, you know, son, some people care about where they live in the neighborhood and the community they live in. And some people don't. And so they just they just do stuff to show you that they don't care about where they live, which I think I can kind of understand. But at the same time, on the, the other side of that coin, I, I don't get it because, you know, so many people uh, that live within, you know, the city of Detroit and it doesn't have to look the way it looks. You know what I mean? There's no like you feel like people take pride in saying they're from Detroit, but I don't feel like people take pride in actually living in Detroit. And it's evident when you you ride down the street, you go through some of the neighborhoods and you can see that people can give you the impression that they don't care about where they live. And so. uh you know, it's still mind blowing to me. Like when we run out, I run errands with my father and we pull up to a stop light, you know, traffic light turns red and we pull up to the traffic light and the car stops next to us while the light is red. And then they just blow through it. That's like normal that they don't even wait for the light to turn green before they just run a red light. And it just, you know, two problems there. One, they do it because they know they can get away with it because there's not enough law enforcement 
to kind of stop that behavior. And two, because they just don't care. You know, I just think a lot of young people in the city of Detroit, they they don't care about the law. Um, and they, <laughs> I, you just have to, it's, it's, I, I don't get used to seeing that, you know, and neither does my dad who's there every day. <laughs> he doesn't, he's not used to it. And so I'm definitely not used to seeing it and it blows my mind every time. And again, it just speaks to the mentality of how people perceive where they live. You know, the mindset of how they value their community or their neighborhood. And you can see that it's clear that the majority of people that live in Detroit, they don't value their communities. And it's sad. It really is sad. I don't know what can change it. That's a topic for a whole nother podcast that I could probably go on for another 20, 30 minutes. You know, just describing that or discussing it at length. So we had a good trip um, back in our regular routine, work schedules, school schedules, you know, gearing up for the summer. Um, School is almost out and uh, we're kind of prepping for, you know, warmer weather, which is pretty much here now in Charlotte. Uh, Wherever you're listening, I hope the weather's nice where you are. I hope it's getting nice if it's not nice yet. Um, But... To kind of piggyback, you know, the last two episodes, I kind of focused on the kids and I really wanted to get away from that. But it's just unbelievable that so many things keep coming up that make it such a hot button topic that these school systems and these institutions that want to be so involved in the lives of children apart from their parents. And I think that is is extremely troubling that, you know, so many people want to. They want to control the minds of kids, but they don't want their parents to have any say so. And you saw a lot of that with, you know, the controversy that heated up with, you know, the Florida parental rights bill, which is something that I've talked about several times over the last two podcasts if you haven't listened to kids lives matter and kids lives still matter i strongly encourage you to check those out where i kind of give my opinion on you know why i think the school system and education in america is so bad it's it's terrible uh but Our children are in trouble, not just because education is so bad in America, but, you know, there is quite literally a concerted effort that is happening, you know, in America to I want I don't want to say groom children um, because grooming is something that is I think you have to be extremely hands on with someone to groom them but I do believe that there is some conditioning that's happening you know I do think that kids are being conditioned to be accepting of certain behaviors Um, and it's clear I mean you had you have all of these videos coming out where uh, it was a video that uh, a producer an executive producer of uh, for Disney 
you know, said in an interview where she made the public statement that, yes, we go out of our way to include LGBTQ ideas and themes into children's programming. And that is that is extremely disturbing. Um, I don't want to cancel Disney Plus because there's a lot of things that I enjoy, you know, even as an adult. I'm a kid at heart, so I like watching the cartoons from back in the day. I like watching them with my children. You know, Marvel, the Marvel movies, the Star Wars stuff. I'm into I'm here for all of that. But what I'm not here for is, you know, this blatant, quote unquote, you know, subconscious programming that's being put into stuff that my kids, you know, want to consume. And so I have told my wife that, hey, you know what? Eventually we may have to cancel Disney Plus. If this, you know, becomes too blatant, you know what I mean? It's already subtle enough to where, you know, my kids are too young to really understand what they're seeing. And I'm still at a point where I can kind of monitor what they're watching and say, hey, this is a good show. You can watch it or kind of say, no, this this show I won't. You can't watch this or <clears throat> excuse me. Don't watch this show. And so. um I just, you know, you, you the controversy, can, you know, around that and these parents that really think, you know, they, they think that something is wrong with, you know, the government in Florida that they had to put this bill into place. And it gets just puts all of these restrictions on teachers to stop them from talking about certain things with kids. And I just keep focusing in on the age group that that this affects you know from kindergarten to third grade where we're talking about five to eight year olds um and so my i just i don't understand again i've said this several times i don't understand why parents want to or why adults let me just say adults because you know, I think a lot of these teachers who want to engage in this conversation, I really don't think that they have children of their own, which is why it's so easy for them to want to have these conversations with other kids. And so I don't I think there's a problem, you know. And. So the, the you know, Disney kind of doubled down on, you know, we're not going to stand for this this parental rights bill and you know it just they just made it clear that they're going to continue they even went as far as to say that by the end of this year 2022 that at minimum half of all content coming out of Disney will feature a character of prominence from the LGBTQ plus community and so along with that you know, Uncle Ron, Ron DeSantis basically stripped Disney, not just Disney, but Disney was the the main focus. But he he stripped businesses of the tax shelter that they had been enjoying for the last 50 plus years. And so. 
I think <laughs> Uncle Ron understands that you have to you have to hit these companies where they hurt, and that's in that po- in their pocket. And I get tired of hearing the phrase "get woke, go broke," uh, just because I just I think it's overplayed, it's overkill, and I, I I just really get tired of hearing it. But it's I mean it's it's a fact that these companies, when they make the decision to, you know, surround themselves or champion these social justice issues that really they have no place in, they want to champion these 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 causes that have nothing to do with their business model, then, you know, they can, they have to pay the price. And a lot of times that price is losing money. And so with Disney losing their tax shelter, that is a huge, a huge blow to, to to Disney and their business model. And I just feel like uncle Ron, Ron DeSantis, he can't lose. I mean, he just, he does what he does what's right. He looks out for the people of the state of Florida. And I think, you know, he should be a model for the rest of the governors around the country. And it's a stark difference between the way he runs the state of uh, Florida and the way other governors do. You know, for example, I was reading a couple of weeks ago, my wife brought this article to me that talked about how uh, Ron DeSantis has signed a bill into law in Florida that makes financial literacy a requirement to graduate high school. That's major because schools are not doing that. It's a requirement to graduate high school to have financial literacy. Something that of all the things that are taught in school, financial literacy is not taught in school, but it's the one thing that kids go into adulthood being the less you know the least prepared for how to manage their money you know kids come out of high school they don't know how to balance a checkbook you know they don't know how to you know manage their their finances in terms of bills being paid on time and you know they don't have any idea of how credit works and so it's a setup for them to go into financial debt especially if they go to college and take on student loans. You know, so that was me. You know, they didn't teach financial literacy when I was in high school. It just, but nobody was teaching it. So it was, you know, not that big a deal. I think, I think the idea was they expected, you know, your mom or dad to teach you those things or like everybody else, you'd learn the hard way. And Ron DeSantis is saying, no, we don't have to live that way. And so, you know, he made that a law, man. Financial literacy in <laughs> as a requirement to graduate high school, that's a big deal. Now, you know, go from Florida across the country to the state of Oregon, where the governor of Oregon, <clears throat> he just signed, or uh, I think it's a lady. A bill was just signed saying that math and reading proficiency is no longer a requirement for graduation. So look at the contrast in comparison to that. You have one state that's now requiring financial literacy to graduate and another state that's saying you don't have to read well or be good at math 
as a requirement to graduate. That's basically saying like you really don't have to pass your classes. So if you're not proficient in reading and you're not proficient in math, what's the point of going to school in the first place? Like, I mean, what is the point? Why do you need to go to school? Why is why are kids now being penalized for dropping out of school if math and reading proficiency is no longer a requirement? I think that that I just people have these ideas and, you know, I know where it comes from. They it's it's a virtue signal because they think that they, they, they try to say statistically that, you know, minority students don't do as well. We don't read as well. Black students in particular don't read as well. We're not as good at math, you know, for the most part. So these are challenges for us in school. So let's make it easy for them by not making it a requirement so that everybody wins. And it's really insulting if you think about it. Um, I don't know anybody who would want to teach in the school system. Any teacher worth their salt would not want to be caught dead in a school system where it didn't matter if their student could read or do math when they left their classroom. So I just think our um, priorities are really screwed up where children are concerned. I think everybody's trying to find these blanket solutions for how children should be handled in this country and everybody's wrong. And I think that, you know, it should just really be up to the parents to choose. And I could be wrong. You know, this is, this, this is strictly my opinion because I'm a full-time dad, you know, who's married to a full-time mom and we're extremely hands-on with our children. And I realize that most kids don't have the luxury of having a, you know, a mom and a dad in the home that love each other, that are fully invested in their success. You know, I just, I know that that's not a norm. And so there's so many things that can be unpacked just in that statement. You know, the layers as to why kids are not, you know, being allowed to have the same opportunities, you know, coming from the same, you know, family structures. And I just think that, you know, there are too many people who don't have kids or don't have the best interests of children in mind that are making these decisions for children. And uh, it's a problem. It really is a problem. Not just, you know, teachers and education, but people in government positions that, you know, are making laws, you know, that could, could, could potentially be harmful to children. But when somebody like Ron DeSantis comes along and makes laws that are designed specifically to protect children, He's vilified and, and viewed as somebody that is, you know, wants to marginalize kids within, you know, that within that same, you know, circumstance or system or whatever, however you want to categorize it. But when you think about the population of the LGBTQ community in America, it is like 
three, maybe three and a half percent of the population, you know, identify within that community. And then to take that three to three and a half percent and then break that down to the number of children that identify. (laughs) I think the number becomes like less than a it's it's a fraction, a, a fraction of that. And so you make you have people that are making laws specifically geared towards a very small number of people. But the majority of people are affected by it and penalized by not going along. And I just think that is I think it's backwards. I think it's backwards. It really is like I don't know what I don't know how we fix it unless so many people just decide that you know what it's mom and dad's responsibility moms and dads need to get more involved moms and dads need to be the ones to determine you know the trajectory of their children until they come of age to make their own decisions which is at 18 legally if you look at what the you know what age the state deems someone to be an adult And so I'm going to do, you know, my wife and I, we intend to do everything we can to protect our children from a lot of stuff that's out there. And when they're old enough to make their own decisions, it's their life. It's their choice. We just have to make sure that we've given them enough information and enough tools to make a well-informed decision about what could potentially affect them for the rest of their life. You know, their lifestyle choices will be theirs to make when they turn of age. But, you know, until that time comes, they'll be guided by the principles that have made their parents successful. And um, I think that a lot of the point of me doing this podcast, to be honest, is, you know, to kind of leave something for my children to come back and look at and listen to and you know in their younger years when I can't have these conversations with them now because they don't understand you know what I'm talking about or what I'm saying they'll be able to come back and listen to these broadcasts and say this is what my dad meant this is what you know how mom and dad felt about these topics and they can hopefully use them as a reference you know to to uh, kind of help them, you know, navigate life. That's my prayer. And I hope that, um, I hope that, you know, these stand the test of time to where they can, you know, kind of access this stuff and get to it and see for themselves. And they'll be able to know the difference. You know, my son at, at six years old, he's extremely intelligent And he knows when something is not right or when something is off without me even telling him. You know what I mean? The fact that, you know, he looked around and saw trash on the ground at the gas station in Detroit. He knew that wasn't right. Like, you just don't throw stuff on, you know, on the ground. And it was funny. You know, we had the the day that we flew back to Charlotte, uh, the weather broke. And it was about 83 degrees uh, on that that day. And... (laughs) My son is not used to hearing all the loud music coming from the cars driving by. 
And I had to explain to him that, you know what, when the weather's nice, people like to t- to roll their windows down and turn their music up loud because they want to hear it loud, but they want everybody else to hear what they're listening to. And he, you know, he didn't understand that, but he recognized it as something that was different because, you know, we don't really see that in our neighborhood. Um, and so kids are intelligent. Kids are very intelligent. And I I think that you know, it's important for us to steer them in the right direction. Uh, I think a lot of parents, the problem is a lot of parents want to, they want their children to have, you know, opportunities that they felt like that they didn't have, which is, is, um, is in the right place, you know, mentally, but it depends on what those opportunities are, you know, what they are. Like if, if some kid was struggling with something mentally and their parent didn't understand it, they want to make room for, you know, they want their their kid to, oh, my child's not going to be like this. Or if they don't have children, they want to make sure that no kid suffers this way again and so on and so forth. And this whole cycle of people who are trying to help but are really doing more damage than they are doing good. And, you know, they're too arrogant are full of themselves to see the harm that they're causing and so they just continue on and anybody that challenges them is just somebody that's offensive or against them or you know the the main um thing that they like to call people is you know you're a racist if you don't allow this to go on they try to tag people with that moniker of being racist which is stupid um so anyway you know, I'm going to try to get away from talking about children, but the more I try to get away from it, the more stuff that comes out in the news that shows me that there is an attack on a lot of different levels on the minds of kids in this country. And I think we as adults who know better need to speak up and do better so that our children can be better. I'll leave on that note. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, on the Uncommon Sense podcast, I want you to send me an email at uncommonsensewithkt at gmail.com if you have any questions. And I'm uh, looking forward to, you know, some new content that's coming up. New things are being added to the show. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please give a five star rating, write a review. Tell me what you like about the show and what you don't like. All feedback is positive. I take it all in. So with that, I'll leave you here. God bless you all. Stay safe wherever you are. And I'll talk to you soon.